Good morning, church. It's great to be with you all today, wherever you might be. Thank you, Pastor Brenda, for those prayers and worship team for leading us into God's presence. It was great seeing all those photos um, of those in our community meeting needs in the community. And even during COVID, we want to continue to meet needs in the community in ways that uh, are responsible and wise and all of that. So do look into those opportunities that we have to serve um, the needs in our city. Well, today we have our final week of the three big questions, and the sermon today is on what am I here for, this idea of meaning and purpose, and what does it all mean? And we've taken a look at these big questions throughout this journey. Who am I? This question of identity, where do I belong and belonging? And if whether you're a believer or a non-believer, I hope that these questions have prompted you to think, to think, you know, to, to process, to have conversations, um, because we want you to enter that conversation no matter where you might be on the faith journey. Of course, each of these teachings is online. Um, the series started off with Joe bringing us just really a powerful word about the difference Christ made in his life. So we encourage you. These are also easy to pass along and to share with others who might be walking through these questions. These are questions we probably started processing when we were teenagers and in, in, in secondary school, but we might continue to be processing them, processing them today, and no matter where we might be at. My initial thought for this sermon, I have to admit, has shifted a bit over these last couple of weeks as we've went into these restrictions and went online, and I hope that it is helpful for you today. Let's pray. God, I invite you in and your spirit in to bring each of us a word that we need to hear. God, give us wisdom as we unpack your scriptures this morning. Amen. So we're looking at 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 9. And to give a little context, Paul is writing the church in Corinth because they've got some problems. They've got disunity. The issues they're facing is who is more important? Um, who do they follow? Who has the best gifts? And Paul is writing them to give them a bigger perspective. He's writing them to speak into their situation, but asking them and inviting them to step back and to look at a different perspective as they look at their issues. So Paul jumps in right here, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Apollos was another teacher in the church and some of them were wanting to follow him versus Paul. He says, only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field and God's building. I love the way this passage ends. God wants us to know it's God's service, God's field, God's building, and he invites us in to that process. What is our purpose? What is our task? What does Paul say we need to do? He says that we are servants, right? And each has been given a task. We have a purpose, and we partner with God. So as we 
walk through the teaching today, keep those things in mind. What is your task? What is your purpose? And how might you partner with God? Okay, now I want to shift gears a bit. And this is the part that originally I wasn't planning on talking about in these last couple of weeks. I kind of shifted my perspective on what am I here for. And so I want to walk us through a way of seeing, um, a way of seeing life, a way of looking at life. And this is not original with me. I've heard it from several authors, but originally from Walter Brueggemann. He's a professor at Duke of Old Testament. And so there's this concept of orientation. Okay, This is the place where you are, and, and most of us probably spend most of our life here, where things make sense. God is faithful, right? He is dependable. The world is well-ordered. Life is going well. In this stage, we can look at books like Proverbs and some of the Psalms, where if you work hard, you're rewarded. Proverbs of not being lazy, right? We get this sense that things are mostly working well in the world and God is reliable and creation is working how it's supposed to be. They express a conviction that God is the one who guarantees life and protects it. We can see Psalms like 119 expressing this perspective. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And when life is functioning well, this is a great place to be. But if you're honest with yourself, how much of life has worked well normally these last three years? This is a box that we like to live out of, but it's also a box that we can be stuck in. If I'm going to stereotype here about people, groups that maybe get stuck into this box, it could be conservatives, uh, Republicans in the U.S., maybe the blue party here. This can be a place that we find our security in, and yet we are not always stuck in this place. Life is not always working well, and we get shifted out of that orientation perspective, and we become disoriented. Maybe life isn't so easy to understand anymore. It's not making sense. We see things falling apart around us that we thought used to be stable. It can be like a dark pit. When you're in this place of disorientation, you may feel abandoned, I've been pushed into this place several different phases of my life, not getting the job I wanted out of college, dealing with unresolved health issues, dealing with relationships that were in conflict and not resolved, that caused strained and cracked. Things weren't working how I had want and shoved into this place of trying to make sense of it. We might distract ourselves in this box. We might pull away, right? We might turn towards things like addictions, or we might have a perspective on life, you know, um, you know what, it, what is life all about? Maybe it's about getting as much as I can. Maybe it's about collecting, you know, maybe you're not a collector of things, but you're a collector of experiences. If I can just, you know, experience enough, you know, YOLO, you only live once, I'll do all these things, and that will provide meaning for me. And we are frustrated in this place because things aren't working how we had planned. And, and we can be in this box, one, because things didn't work out the way we'd planned, or 
Maybe they did work out according to plan. Maybe we got everything we had been hoping for. We got the job that we really wanted. We got into the school that we really wanted. We got the marriage we really wanted. And we are in that place, and there's sort of a dull thud. This is it? Is this all there is to live for? This wasn't as satisfying as I thought it would be. So we can enter disorientation when things fall apart, but we can also enter it when things go well and they weren't enough to sustain us. They weren't enough to make life meaningful. We see this expressed in scripture as well. And this is, this is part of why you know, I love the Christian faith and our scriptures is because they don't hide these things. They actually lift them up. We see this from King Solomon in Ecclesiastes 1, 1 and 2, a real uplifting passage. <laughs> The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. These are our (laughs) scriptures, right? This isn't really an encouraging passage at all, but it could be if you are in this place, you can find community with the authors of our scriptures that they were in this place as well. They struggled with life's meaning. This is King Solomon who you know, really had everything he could have wanted, and yet he's struggling with the meaning of life. You can't hard work your way out of this disorientation, right? The same answers that you had before aren't working anymore. We can begin to blame when we're in this place. And we see this in COVID, right? We want to go back to how things were before, but we can't get there. We make a plan and that plan isn't working. We blame when we love to blame here, right? We'll blame the current outbreak, maybe on Cathay, because then I don't have to take responsibility. Maybe we blame our leaders and the you know, decisions that they're making. Um, we want someone to blame and it's what we do. And I'm not saying we don't, hold people accountable, but blaming will not get us out of this box. Maybe we feel better in the moment because we can blame somebody, but it doesn't actually give us more meaning and purpose. We see this with the church in Corinth. They are blaming Paul for their current issues. They don't think he was a good enough disciple. He wasn't gifted enough, so they don't want to listen to him. They think they've arrived, and it's created this disunity. They're starting to align themselves with people instead of with God. We might blame others. We might blame God in this. Why is this happening? We might blame ourselves for either mistakes we've made, opportunities lost. But blaming any of those is not going to get us out. It's a pit. Our strength is not going to get us out of this box. So what do we do? Scripture encourages us to be real with God in these places like Solomon was as he was writing Ecclesiastes. We see this with David as well. And my encouragement to you if you are in this place is to be real with God, to turn off your editor when you're talking with God. Have you ever written an angry email um, to somebody, but before sending it, you edit it out? Hopefully that's what you do. You edit out those angry parts or those passive aggressive parts and and then maybe you send it or you don't send it. What I'm saying in your prayers to God, just let it all flow. He wants to hear your heart where it is right now. He doesn't want to hear your heart in a fake place, right? Be real with him. We see this with 
David in so many psalms. In one example is Psalm 86, 1-2. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts you. David in so many places says, where are you, God? Why have you hidden yourself from me? I'm so glad David was able to be honest with God because now we benefit from that honesty and we can do the same thing. See, when you're in disorientation, it's uncomfortable, it's disruptive. And our temptation is to try to get back to what exists before. Everything was orderly, it made sense. And yet, those answers aren't going to work anymore. We can't force ourselves back into this place. If you had a chaotic childhood, you might have started life in this disorientation box. I think globally, many young people are in this box right now. To stereotype again, I would say Democrats can be tempted to stay in this box. Progressives, yellow folks might be stuck here as well because our experience shapes so much of how we encounter world. But this isn't the final destination place for us. See, we we want to go from orientation to reorientation. We'd like to skip that pit part. We'd like to skip that part in the middle that stirs us up, that turns things upside down. And yet, in those places of disorientation or where God is doing powerful work in our lives, and he wants to do powerful work, so we can't skip the disorientation. We have to go through it. We have to walk through that valley in order to get a new perspective, to have a new way of being. We enter that reorientation with less innocence, less naivete. The old answers don't work anymore, but we've found and we are living in a new perspective and maybe some new answers have started to come to us if we're willing to press in and open ourselves up for what God might have for us, it can be a wonderful experience. We see Job, actually, the story of Job going through each of these three boxes. He was in orientation. Life was going well, right? He was abundant in his wealth and in his family, and things were working well, and then he lost everything, Things didn't make sense anymore. And his friends, what do his friends come and do? His friends come and try to get him back to box one, right? You've clearly done something wrong, Job, to get you to this place. So so go back to that. Try to get back to that. And that's not satisfying for Job. And he he turns off his editor and he's complaining to God and questioning God. And guess what God does? He shows up. But God doesn't answer his questions. But he shows up and he speaks to Job. He talks to Job. He gives Job a new perspective. Doesn't blame Job. He doesn't say go back to how things were. He meets him in that place and Job is drawn into a new perspective in life. We see this with David as well in Psalm 40, verse 1. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. If I'm honest with myself, those times in disorientation have been the places where God has grown me the most, when things did not make sense, where I had to press in and dig deeper. Now, my temptation is to withdraw or to escape or to numb, 
But God's invitation is to press in, to ask the questions, to talk about it, to journey on. Last month and this month, we've been hearing stories from council and their journeys, and I'm so appreciative of these stories. Um, They're reminders to us that um, God is with us and working in each one of our lives. And this week, we have Ronald. Let's hear a bit of Ronald's journey now. Peace be with you, brothers and sisters. When you were young, have you ever imagined that one day you'll become like David or Joshua? When I was before the age of 10, I asked lots of questions to my mom and dad and was thinking big. Yet over the years, I have learned through many humbling experiences that not everyone will become the heroic characters that we see in the Bible, but unnamed silent warriors that build the kingdom of God and act as Christ's body. I just want to share with you my unfinished life story, which is nothing out of the ordinary, but has built my character and faith. Thanks to my parents, I came to know Christ Jesus when I was young baptized, confirmed, went to a Catholic school and attended masses with my mother and sister every week. At the age of 13, that was the year in hindsight that I over worried about the lymph nodes on my neck that enlarged and sustained still with me today on both sides that I thought it could be life-threatening. It turned out to be nothing that impacts my life But that was also the year that I pledged to the Lord that if He could let me live through until my two wishes could come true, I, as a child, prayer at the time says, I will serve the Lord full time and will commit everything to my Lord. These two wishes as a child was that I would want to see the first flight of the Airbus A380 as I was really into planes as a child and the opening of Hong Kong Disneyland that I could be there. What a pure yet big promise to our Lord when I was young. That was also the year of the Asia financial crisis where our family struggled financially. And that was when I told my dad and mother that I would not want to be in the financial industry like my dad was. Fast forwarding to my university years in the UK, Like some of you who had gone through the rebellious stage, I had lots of fun during the times and struggled in my second year academically with my scholarship, socially as I stepped down from a student association from a leadership role and was far from the Lord. However, like the prodigal son, I thank the Lord for carrying me through the valleys with my loving parents, and as brothers and sisters came to me, Christ, to join the Christian fellowship. And that was when I find that God has really come to the rescue. And I remembered my childhood prayer to the Lord. My mother also invited me to the community church orphanage trip that year, which was transformational in my faith, to let me understand how God loves 
each one of us who has the heart of a child and that our value is not built on where people see us, but how God sees us. Do you recall the pledge that I said to God when I was a child, if he could sustain my life through? Those two dreams came true in the year of 2005, which was the year that I committed to Christ when I witnessed the first flight of Airbus A380 and attended and went to the Hong Kong Disneyland, that God has kept his promise. And how about mine? After my rebirth in 2005, I graduated two years later with Masters of Engineering. And guess what? I have not become an aerospace engineer as I vowed as I was young. In fact, God led me through multiple interview, different industries, and I ended up in the financial industry, just like my dad. I've also not become a priest as I pledged to the Lord, nor a pastor yet. But I do start to understand how the Lord could use us as full-time ministers in our workplace and also in the field of worship. I witnessed how God opened doors at our workplace in our Christian fellowship that we started to meet over a decade ago. And through these years, we gathered, we prayed, we went for outreach during COVID. We had our prayer walks for our leadership. And God has done amazing things in our Christian fellowship and we became a recognized entity in the firm last year. A few of our colleagues also started a healing group in 2016 where we came together and prayed for one of our colleagues who was going through blood cancer. Prayer warriors came across different divisions. We started our weekly prayer and to pray boldly as advised by one of our group leaders to our Lord for the complete healing of our brother. We went through multiple setbacks. A matched donor did not turn up and cancer marks started to increase. But we prayed earnestly for our brother. By God's grace, this brother was invited to go through a first ever non-perfect match bone marrow transplant. And in 2017, he was confirmed as the first successful case. Looking inwards, I've also increasingly found how our little ones, Rachel and Karis, has been following what we do and how we act in the family with Christine and I. Our prayer as parents is to be stewards of these little kids, that we could train them up in the way of the Lord. And may the Lord guide us to be salt and light and our consistent selves in our immediate family, our helpers, our brothers and sisters, and in the community. This is my prayer to you too, that life is unpredictable. We carry our crosses, our own crosses each day, but God could do great things through you, through us, in our circumstances, in our struggles, to fulfill his kingdom. As Jesus shared in the parable in Matthew 
chapter 25, verses 40. Truly, I tell you, whatever you have done for the least of these brothers and sisters, you have done it for me. May the Lord bless, keep, and guide you all. All right. Thank you, Ronald, for sharing about the twists and turns of your life. I learned some new things about you, and um, I love those childhood dreams of the A380 in Disneyland, but even more so, um, how no matter what our job is, we can be full-time ministers for God. Um, we can be about God's purposes and the task he has for us, no matter what our job is, um, in our vocations, in our families, in our communities, we can all be about working for what God wants to do in this world. And so this is the question that I want us to ponder. What is my task? What is before me? What has God placed before me? What is my purpose? And how do I partner with God? Those are things that on some level for all of us believers, we have answers to those questions. And we also might have a unique sort of task and purpose that God gives us. I was um, watching the Disney musical Encanto this week, and it displayed perfectly the points I was wanting to make today. If you haven't uh, watched it, I'll try to avoid major spoilers. But this family is um, sort of at the heart of community, and they are given, everybody in this family, magical gifts to serve the community. Everybody is given a gift except Mirabelle. And that is their purpose, to serve the community with their special gifts. And Mirabelle struggles with how she is supposed to serve her community without this gift. Then they move into disorientation. They begin to lose their gifts. The house that has all this magic begins to crumble. And Mirabelle is the one that discovers this. And everybody wants to go back to how it was before. What did we do wrong? And how do we go back to how things used to be? Can we get there? Except they can't go back. They've got to go through this disorientation phase before they reach reorientation. Now, I'm not going to give away the whole movie, but they needed everybody to be a part of the project. Those with obvious gifts, those whose gifts weren't so obvious, because they need to reimagine their role and their giftings to how they were to serve the community. And that's a bit of what we get to do right now, too, to reimagine Given COVID, given life, how are we called to still be a part of God's purposes? How does that provide meaning for our lives? And this family in, in Canto gets that renewed perspective. So what is our task and purpose? Scripture lays this out, and it's our vision to love God and to love others and love doing good. And our next sermon series is on This Is Us. How do we do that as a community? But how do we partner with God? And just some, some simple and clear steps that I want to give you today is to listen to the Holy Spirit, read scriptures, hear from community, talk about what God is doing in your life, which box might you be in right now? What are your unique gifts and passions and experiences? And what has God placed in front of you? What is the job that you're in who are your roommates? What is your family life like? 
What are you journeying through? How do you be faithful in the midst of that? Because we want to all be partnering with God for his mission in this world. And he invites us all into that. And that's where I have personally found my greatest meaning as being a part of what God is doing in the world. And this is God's plan A, and he has no plan B. We are his mission. So this is what Paul writes to Corinth. Recognize your part. He says, I had a task. Apollo had a task, but our purpose was to be about God's purposes, and he's the one to make it grow. We can't control the outcomes of this world. We can't control the outcomes of COVID, but we can be faithful to what God has in front of us because, friends, God is faithful to you, and he's faithful to this world. We were looking at Philippians yesterday in the men's group, and I was reminded of Philippians 1, 6, where it says, he who began a good work in you, that's Jesus, will be faithful to complete it in you. He is still at work in you, and he is still at work in this world because there is an incredible need for God's message. There's an incredible need for his transformation. And he invites us all to be a part of that. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for who you are. God, you have given us um, each tasks and gifts, and yet we have no control over the outcome, God. But we partner with you in that, and we leave the outcomes to you, Jesus. God, your grace is with us in the highs and lows of life. God, your grace is with us when we rise or when we fall. God, and I pray no matter where we might be at today that we grow in our trust of you, that we see you as somebody we can partner with who supplies us with meaning for life, that you meet us in that place of disorientation or orientation, God, or reorientation. Grow our hearts closer to you, God, and may we trust in you. In your name we pray. Amen.